Are you tired of using Google Drive or Dropbox to send files to clients? Well, never get burned again with FilePass. I love and use FilePass exclusively for sending files to my clients. It's a cloud file sharing website specifically made by engineers for engineers. It's absolutely amazing. Go to mixingmusicpodcast.com backslash FilePass to check out the full feature list and subscribe today. Never lose another dime to burned projects. Happy mixing, my friends, and enjoy the show. One, two, three. Hello, and welcome back to the Mix and Music Podcast. I am your host, DK, and with me as always, Dancing Lou. I'll take Dancing Lou, okay. <laughs> just gonna just gonna go ahead and do one of these for the for the sake of it. Da- I like how these nicknames are literally just something Lou. So. I mean Lou's clues. Oh, because it's lose clues, lose clues, lose clues. Um, this is uh, we have a good episode in plan today. Uh, this is a a we wanted to make this episode an FAQ question, FAQ question, frequently asked question, question, um, an FAQ answer. Wait, hold on. An FAQ episode where we answer questions that people have DM'd us, have emailed us. Um, feel You can feel free to email us questions or DM us questions at any time. Our Instagram tags are in the about section of the episode as well as the, uh, as well as the podcast in general at DK Mixes, D-E-K-E-I Mixes. And Midside Sound, M-I-D-S-I-D-E-S-O-U-N-D. There you go. And you can always ask us questions. We do pay attention to them. And uh, for example, one of the main questions that we get a lot, that it's not just one person, it is many, many people, how to mix vocals to a two-track. And we got this question so often, as well as in so many different ways, that we decided to make this an entire episode by itself. Um, there's a lot of problems within this question. How to mix vocals to a two-track. This is There's a couple misconceptions from the way that the question is asked is does vocals need to sound specific in relative to like in like relation to the two track as well as okay now we're going to involve the recording process and to be honest this is just a general answer to how to mix vocals regardless if it's a two track or if it's a stemmed out beat or anything and let me just start off with saying the number one mistake that um is a very big noob mistake that will directly change your life if this is something that you do. You should avoid this. As soon as you import a file of a two-track... Please do this. Turn it down. Please do Do this. Do not try to turn up your microphone to match the volume of the two-track. You got to turn down the volume of the two-track and then match the microphone of the volume of the two-track because that two-track is already basically clipping. It's as close to clipping as possible. Like there's a lot of limiters and everything already on it, super loud. So if you record, if you turn up your microphone to be that loud, your microphone will start distorting and it does not sound good and there's nothing that I can do as a mix engineer to solve your problems. It sucks. It's going to stay sucking. Don't do this. Number one basic rule, turn down the two track when recording so you have that headroom. Or we call it headroom, but what it is is basically... Um, Just give us some space before you distort the channel. If you see red on your digital meters, in other words, that thing that's flicking up and down while you're recording, whether it be in Logic, Ableton, or Pro Tools, if you're hitting red, you've gone too far. If you're close to red, you've already gone too far. 
Yeah. So turn the volume down. And to be honest, I like it so that it's around negative 15 dBs where it's like peaking at negative 15, like quite substantially. Like turn it down like a good 10 to 15 dBs. I usually start at 10. Like uh, like we said, you know, I've been recording all week with uh, some known names and everything, some known writers. And every time I get a track, every single time, it's always limited. So my only solution to that is import the track, put it where it needs to be in the template. Uh, and I know we're not exactly the biggest fans of templates, but certain certain things require certain template styles, course, whatever. But you put the music where it goes, but drop it down at least 10, to, 10 dB to start. I have some tracks where I've lowered it about 15, and that may seem like a lot, but different mics yield different results. Some microphones uh, distort at a louder uh, gain stage. Um, and if you start turning it up too much, you get too much noise. So maybe you're recording quieter one day. It's always going to be variable, but if you have to compete with the two track, you've done too much. Yeah. So the idea is if you record the vocals, so the vocals can be louder than, so they can, the, the recording artist can hear themselves in the headphones over the two track. And after you're done recording, then you can turn the beat up. It's as simple as that. And that's yeah. how you avoid destroying your vocals by distorting, by distorting them. So, uh, that's the number one thing, and we see that actually a lot more often than you would think. Um, I know that's yeah. a super basic level thing, but um, another thing that I see a lot as well is people copying and pasting a single vocal file to make it louder. Now, <laughs> um, this is an, a genuine thing, a genuine thing that people do from just trial and error, and somehow they get to this conclusion where. Um, it's louder, it's so it's louder. better. Yeah, exactly. And so especially because they also typically also don't turn down the two tracks, so they're like wondering why the vocal is so quiet, and then they copy and paste it, and all of a sudden it's louder because they're... Okay, so uh, if you turn down your tracks, you don't have to double up your track. And, and that's, by the way, if, if I ever get a mix and there is a copy and pasted vocal, I'm deleting one. With I've never had a session where it is a copy and paste anything, including like guitars or drums, anything, and I've kept one. It's actually kind of seen like by people who actually know what they're doing in this industry, people who have moved forward. Um, usually when we see duplicate vocals or duplicate instruments or something, like I always see duplicate kick drums, same kick drum four times. Why? Because it hits harder. It doesn't actually hit harder. It's if you actually learn, if you learn your basics, you'll see that all you did was just double up the frequency wave, which caused a three decibel increase per duplicate. So all you did was just take your fader and move it up nine after the fourth duplicate. And I'm just saying... You could have just done that with one kick drum. Yeah. And just turning it up 90 dBs. Yeah. On your fader. Or so, with compress it or throw it into limiter. Anything other than duplicate it because it's going to get deleted. Yeah, it's definitely going to be deleted. Um, and it's Unless not. it's different tones. At that point, sometimes we're blending. Sometimes some tones are actually the issue on your kick drum. But to be honest, like that's what we're talking about is people that copy and paste. It's the same exact thing. Yeah. Now, another thing is when you are trying to have that double effect, that Michael Jackson or, to be honest, everybody does it now, that double vocal effect... Um, this is, sounds so basic, but you got to do another take. That's a whole separate take. That's not a copy. It does not work. There's one workaround that sounds fake and it doesn't sound good is that if you pitch one up a couple cents and then you move it back a few samples and like a few milliseconds and then that way it kind of, it's like different. Like there's a reason why 12 string guitars sound better if they're slightly out of tune. It doesn't sound yeah. good if they're all exactly in tune because it's, it's the small differences in, 
in the pitch, like the small, super, like obviously not out of tune, but like barely like missing each other by a couple cents. That makes it really twang and ring. Yeah. And make it really vibrate nicely. So I would say with the vocals, if you're trying to have that double effect, do another take. That's very normal. Worst case scenario, let's say that you received the track and they don't have doubles in it, but you need doubles. Um, no, we're not sponsored by them, but we do absolutely love them. And I know Henrik's been on the show before, but Antares just updated their Avox uh, bundle, which mm-hmm. actually has things like choir, duo, uh, harmony engine, and all those kind of things, which allow for uh, timing variances, pitch variances, and things like that, which is a great tool. But once again, they're great tools when used extremely subtly, because if it's something that you want it to be audible, just do another take. Send it. I honestly, I've Unless I've, I've taken mixes. Yeah, exactly. I've taken mixes where I tell the artist, like, "Hey, can you recut this? Like, it's either distorted. It's not really a great take, and you have a really good song. And I really would hate to for actually. We were talking about this. I got sent a song to master. They didn't even mix it. It's just the stems. And when I asked them if you want to have it mixed, it's like. All right, you know, I got hired to do a job. I've repeated my question. Sometimes you just got to take it, just like on some recordings. You know, sometimes people don't take that two track down, whatever genre it is, and they start recording their vocals at like minus three dBFS, which means they're only three decibels away from clipping. But then you realize when you open up their session, they also threw a limiter on it. So they've already taken the dynamics of the vocals away. All the S's are getting exaggerated. There's so many issues that you can run into if you don't just go through the basics. And I feel like that's a part of the question that we get, the FAQ section of emails. Um, We get asked for the basics a lot because it's something that gets glanced over on YouTube. Everybody wants the secret sauce, but nobody wants to understand where the secret sauce actually came from. Yo, literally, the question that... Which is... Is a really valid question. How do you balance the kick drum between the bass? And <laughs> every time uh, I or like, and I got this from Leslie. Leslie gets uh, asked this question. You know what he says? Hmm. It's the same exact answer every single time. How do I balance the kick drum and the bass? He'll say the same thing. He'll say, uh, turn it up. <laughs> like, yeah. Like literally, sometimes it's just a matter of turning up the kick drum or turning down the bass or whatever. My favorite thing to do is literally just uh, take a reference song, throw a VU meter on it, and just go for that bass and kick section. Like in rock songs, if you see a bass solo going on with the drums, go to that section. Why? Because the bass was actually turned up at that point for you to hear a little more of it. Sometimes it's just the mid range that was pushed up for you to hear more of it. But. See where they sit with each other on a VU meter. You know, look at average volume. Don't look at DBFS and like digital meters and all that. But if you really wanted a nice little neat trick, all you got to do is look at your uh, your VU meter and see where the bass is landing every time the kick hits. Because sometimes it's like, on some tracks, it's a one decibel increase. On some tracks, it's a four decibel increase on DBVU. So... If you want some fun tricks, there's many, but to be honest, every song's different. Just feel it out. Some some artists prefer for there to be less kick drum. Some perf- some artists want more muffly kick drums, more that boom versus the kaka. 
You know, yeah. <laughs> like if you're doing metal, you're not looking for your kick drum to shake your speakers. You're looking for it to be like, if you're doing trap, you want that, da-da, like that yeah. hard thump. And like, what would that be like, like 80 that. to 120 hertz? Yeah, for real. But if you're doing R&B soul, you're looking for that like 40 to 60 hertz thump, that heart shaker, that that heart pump, Yeah, you know, but if you're doing... I don't know. I want to say Rick Ross. You're looking for that 20 to 40 hertz, like you know, 808. <laughs> like that's a, that's like the one that you don't hear unless you have a sub, or if your trunk sound like it's about to pop off in your car. There you go. But let's go back to the question of mixing vocals to a two track. So this is a very hard one to understand. For example, I know that a lot of the people listening to the podcast they are just starting. They're uh, beginners, um, which is awesome. And, and to be honest, I make clips of the podcast episode and put them on my Instagram. And the last few that I've had, uh, one of the major comments is I hope to understand what you're talking about. It's a literally a clip. <laughs> it's, it's like someday yeah. I wish to understand exactly what you're saying. Cause last time it was a clip of like the multiband compressor. I was like, some frequencies are, you know, analyzed and it only compresses those frequencies. And I like with a VCA bus compressor, the G bus compressor yeah. style and it, it, with a built-in high pass filter. Have and, you tried the FET ones? Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Like, I understand that some of that dialogue and language seems 100% foreign to you. Um, sorry, that is our bad. <laughs> we just love this stuff so much that we speak passionately yeah, about it. And, and if we need to slow down, we're happy to. And uh, this is kind of where there's a line between our audiences where some people want the advanced techniques, some people want the beginning stuff. So this is we're trying to say this in a way that helps the beginners, um, but also helps um, bring back the basics to some of the advanced listeners. But let's talk about tracking and the importance of tracking. Ooh, I also I just this. got a text on DM on Instagram that I had a question of how to get room noise out of a vocal take. Oof. Now this starts, I think the question was asked in the sense of from a mixing standpoint. But let's start off even earlier than that, which is the recording standpoint. You know what's a great place to record vocals is a the bathroom. The ba- <laughs> no. The shower. No. The kitchen. No. The oven. <laughs> I was going to say a walk-in closet full of clothes. Yeah. There you go. A walk-in yeah. closet full of clothing because all of those clothings are going to take away all the echoes, the like the reflections we call them, off the walls. It's going to soak into the clothing. So it's going to be a lot more dead or quiet. Um that works, but then it has going against you that you're in a smaller room and smaller rooms have And you a can sound. hear it. Yeah, and you can hear it. So a lot of people actually and it's funny because like, you know, I do design work. Um, I have to build people's booths, I have to plan their acoustic treatment and all that kind of stuff. And the funny thing is like a lot of people look at their closet and they say, Oh, this is gonna work perfect. And you know what? If you're going for the dead sound, like a dead booth and you're gonna add ambience with reverbs and things of that nature, absolutely it'll work. It'll work. If you're trying to go for that natural sound and where everything just sounds so open and realistic, you need a bigger space. And, you know, walk-in closet would be great for that. Some people, uh, like I know, they track in their living room. But a walk-in closet or a closet of any sort, anything that just can be surrounded with clothing, fabric. Um, and this is why I always tell people, like, my goal whenever designing spaces for people is to save them money. Because sometimes they already have everything they need at their house. They yeah. just don't realize that it's useful. Yeah. Like, to be honest, like, I would much rather record in a large 
living room, if there's a bunch of couches and a bunch of like, if you, there's a bookshelf with some reflection, like if it makes the echoes splatter and makes the reflections random, that sounds way better than yeah. being in a small, even if it's acoustically treated, a small square space because you can hear that. And so to be honest, sometimes in, if you want to go as far as to fix it in the mix, which is never, ever recommended. Um, but I have a lot of experience doing that. Like if you want to do that, then maybe there's going to be some poking frequencies, um, in the vocals because of your room that you can tame. But to be honest, this is an acoustic treatment issue. This is a where are you recording issue. And I know some people have limitations. They're not able to do it or they can only do it during the day because they have roommates or whatever. Or some, it's noisy or whatever, right? Um, to a certain degree, like I know there's limitations and that's why it might be useful to just go record the vocals at a professional studio or at a friend's place for cheap um, just to get that sound right and then mixing it at home. Because I know that the mixing of the vocals whether it's to a two-track or to a bunch of stems or to anything, is going to be way easier if it's recorded right. So I think that's the first thing that we want to bring up is the actual recording. So what about um, into mixing? What do you think about mixing vocals of various kinds? Or actually, since we're wearing Loughton Audio t-shirts today with our Loughton Audio microphones, we, we're big Which, fans of Which, by the way, is uh, shout out to Trent and Brian over there. Um, these guys have been extremely supportive of everything that I do. Um, and also Bryson for getting me hooked up with the company. But, um, it's, it's, uh, it's been funny, you know, we, like we said, we're talking about properly recording from home and everything. And yet Lawton Audio is actually, in my eyes, has both been a home and professional studio name. Um, because they have affordable mics. Yeah. They have uh, mics as cheap as like 300 bucks, I believe. Which, to um, be fair, $300 to put for all you beginners out there, $300 for a microphone is nothing. stupid cheap. Yeah. Stupid cheap. Yeah. Like, don't get me wrong. Yes, you can have a 57 for 100 bucks, but there's a reason why we're not recording on a 57 and currently recording on something as classic as an SM7B. Yes, it may cost four times as much, but four times is still only... $400. And I know that there's that $25 microphone you could buy from China that's really tempting, but yeah. I'm telling you right now, um, it may not be a room. If you use that mic, it may be that microphone. <laughs> yeah. Um, some microphones are just... Uh, actually, we did this comparison once. Um, shout out to Manly. I love your stuff. This isn't a, a, isn't a ding in your way. But we compared you know, the Sony C800G and the Manly Reference. A lot of people over time have tried comparing the two. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, the funny thing is that the Manly picks up a lot more room, like air reflections, everything, while the Sony seems to be more focused right in front of you. And that's a $10,000 mic versus a $3,000 mic. Now, here's a funny thing. Why wouldn't we be using Sony's on our voice right now then if if we can avoid room? Uh, Honestly, scalability. If you don't got $10,000, don't worry about a $10,000 mic. Look, we have a commercial studio and we're not worried about owning a Sony. In fact, I'd be fine if we didn't own one ever. I'm not a fan of the Sony. Uh, <laughs> I, th- I don't think we both are, but it's a very brand-recognized thing. Yeah, so, but uh, you know, going back to the, to the recording process, going into mixing, I believe if you really want to learn how to mix vocals against the two-track, first part is understanding what it is the two-track is. You have to kind of understand that as an artist because sometimes there are songs that are way too active they have way too many uh, low mid instruments uh, that are stacked there, and maybe don't always serve a purpose that help you with your with your idea for the song. But 
that's all combating against the vocals. So having a microphone that's actually more tailored towards the sound uh, that you're looking for actually speeds up the mixing process. And sometimes I've heard people who don't send it out for mixing, they just get the rough recording, and that rough recording already sounds close to done. That's a really good tracking engineer. Yeah, and not even that. Just sometimes it's it's just a good vocal chain. Honestly, a good vocal chain nowadays. Or good performance. Yeah, like I know Ari Lennox, um, you know, Shout out to Ari. I was working with her for for a long time here in LA, um, and she she's such a sweet person. And this is kind of why I like her so much. You know, she's just so sweet. But you know, when she when she got her new mic and her new setup, all she bought was Yamaha HS fives, which you got. Only about uh, three hundred bucks for the pair, four hundred bucks for the yeah, pair. Yeah, super cheap. Yeah, super cheap. And there's basically. For all of you that say, oh, I need a pair of NS10s and this and that, they're not the same. Look, no microphone, even if their sequential and serial number over time is ever the same. So you could have 10 different pairs of NS10s and they all sound different. I'm just saying. Amen to that. Doesn't matter. But all she has is a pair of HS5s, an Apollo Twin, and a Lotton Audio Eden. And the reason she got that Eden is because that's what we use to record the chocolate record from uh, Keanu Lede's latest album. Uh, we use that. And uh, the funny thing is, it sounds amazing on her, even in her room. And she doesn't have a soundproof room. Uh, we didn't record that record in her room, but everything that I've heard come out of her bedroom has been great. And it's it's amazing. And it, it just goes back to knowing what microphone fits your voice the best. Yeah. Um, if you can start with getting a good mic for your voice, like um, I remember the first time I even made a post about this. Uh, before we were on the podcast together. So this isn't like any kind of sponsor or gloat kind of thing for a lot, but the I don't like the sound of my voice. I think I'm too congested. I think I'm too tubby. But on their Clarion, their $1,000 mic, keep in mind that I've been using the Eden and the Oceanus for a while now, and I do really like them, but I think the Clarion, the $1,000 model, three times cheaper than the Eden, sounds significantly better on my voice. Yeah. Yeah. I would start there. And find something that fits your voice before you start complaining about it's really hard to mix my vocals against the two track. Maybe you just don't have the right mic for the job. So, like this microphone is uh, this a broadcast is mic. This is my favorite microphone for recording my voice. It adds more heft for you. Yeah. Um, and at which point, let's say that we were doing a bass heavy song, I don't think this mic would be the best mic for my vocal, for instance, because I'm already bass heavy as a vocalist. It just works against it. But. If uh, if you were to go with something a little bit thinner, uh, let's say an SM57, it's a little more mid-rangey and it'll cut through better. Yeah. Just from the start. And I think that, I mean, we're getting really technical here. A lot of people listening will only be able to afford one mic, but I know that Loudon has a lot of affordable mics under the $1,000. I think they have like a $400, $500 tube microphone, which is uh, like great. 600 the LA320, and I've tried yeah. it. And it's great. I've tried oh my it God, it's so good. It's, it's really great. good. And I think that yeah, and they have their own they have their own broadcast mic too now. Um, oh, yeah, the SM7B um, competitor. It's somewhat. It's it's kind of like the 7B, but it's a condenser. Oh, yeah, and it, I I've heard examples of it actually. Um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Hook us up, Loudon. Uh, up. <laughs> but there's an artist that just did a live performance using it with the band behind him and everything and his vocals are so well isolated hmm. for a condenser that's really hard to do yeah um, which we can go into the different type of microphones and I, I think what you're talking about of finding the right microphone for you the only way that we can really do that if you can only buy one is to 
buy it and return it and try a bunch of others, which we don't recommend at all. Find a demo. Find, f- Borrow from other people. Rent microphones for a day, depending on where you're at. Go to a studio that has a good selection. Or maybe, um, for instance, I know Soundbite LA. They're sponsored by Orange and Telefunken, I believe. So, Oh, and Supro. So I believe like you're able to hit them up and be like, hey, do you guys have these in one of your recording studios? I'd be happy to book an hour of your time. Just and just run it. through all the mics. And the funny thing is, you, you, for an hour of their time, maybe let's say you spend 100 to $200, right? But you have all the mics for rent for an hour, and you can just go in there, set them up, sing into them one by one, take those files home, and compare and see what you think on your own time versus having to pay $50 per rental of a microphone. Yeah. You know, that's why uh, find out who your local showrooms are for different brands and things like that. And that's usually a good starting point. A lot of times they'll let you walk in and just, you know, take a little tour. And at the very least, I think audiotestkitchen.com is still free if you sign up. I believe so, yeah. Yeah, and it's not comparing your voice necessarily, but it does have a huge library of hundreds of microphones that you can pick and choose and hear what they sound like in, you know, a to each other like that you'll find what the sony sounds like relative to this one to the loudon and you'll hear what they sound like to each other and i don't know if the if that's super helpful for what you're talking about which is finding what's best for your no, own it's, voice it's very but helpful. it's it's still super helpful to hear the tonal characteristics of different microphones so i the last thing that i want to say um and maybe we just briefly talk about the difference between dynamic and condenser microphone a condenser microphone and a dynamic microphone they're mm-hmm. two different types of microphone this is a dynamic microphone that does not require phantom power and it picks it up with magnet and coil, old school, and it sends electrical signal. Um, it, they're very quiet, so you have to have a really nice preamp. Yep. So you have a lot of gain, and then or an interface. And a condenser microphones, they need phantom power. They need their own power supply if it's tube. Um, and they're a lot more sensitive. So if you're in a small room that sounds horrible, um, I would recommend like a 7B or 58, SM58, um, or an SM7B, like because it's going to be less sensitive to everything that's not immediately right there because it's less sensitive. Exactly. So other than that, so we won't go too much into it. You can YouTube that. You can Google the differences. The last thing I want to go into is- You can always email us. Yeah, and you can always DM us, email us. And um, I want to say the last thing is performing performance. The performance is absolutely key. This is the number one complaint. We are a band that performs better live and it just doesn't sound good on our records. Yep, hear that one all the time. Yo, you know what the number yep. one solution to that problem is? Is why don't you try recording it live or recording it the way that you do? You, we uh, talked about this yeah. before. Maybe if you yell on stage and you like the sound of your voice, maybe you're, you're loud or yelling, turn down your vocals in your headphones. Because I know when I'm recording, I'm a lot more scared to yell if my vocals are too loud in my headphones. Because then I'm like almost blowing out my ears. Like, like I'd start to like feel like, not self-conscious, but like... I don't want to like, I don't know. So I turn down my vocals in my headphones. So if I want to yell so I can hear it and be comfortable doing that, there's a lot of different ways, but the performance does matter. The performance is actually super duper important and not just the performance, but even technical things like how far away from the microphone are you? Proximity is is a big factor. Yeah. So microphones have a proximity effect, which means that the closer you are to a microphone, the more low end you're going to hear. And the further you get back, the less low end you're going to hear. Look at my voice. I sound thin. Yeah, I sound thin and quiet right now. I bet. Yep, so I like, bet I sound really far away. But in reality, we're talking about maybe six inches. There you go. So that is a dynamic microphone for you. So I really do think that the performance is a key factor. I know for you, yeah. um, 
you track a lot and you've had a lot of experience. Yeah. For example, you were just talking about Ari. Like, I bet yeah. she was phenomenal. Oh, my God. She's Ari, so if you're good. listening, you are still one of my favorite artists to record with. Anytime you're back in L.A., please come back. I love you so much, and your performances are amazing. <laughs> so, but, for, for real, yeah, though. No, she's, she's an amazing vocalist. Um, I even asked her one time, like, are you classically trained or what's going on? She told me about how she took lessons before. But, um, you know, later in life, she just didn't have those lessons anymore. But it's you could tell that her approach, her technique is of classical training, which is great. Um, but all this plays together with the way you are with the microphone. Some artists will, one of my favorite issues to deal with is when an artist will take the pop filter from where you put it and they'll actually put it up against the grill and then they'll put their lips up on the pop filter. It's like, why did you get so close? We set the pop filter for the proper distance for this microphone to sound at its best. But you don't know it until you hear it in the recording. Yeah. You're like, why do they sound so boomy? Or why do they sound so far away? What's going on? Something's different. I don't like this. And it goes back to kind of recording etiquette because if you want to mix a two-track a lot of times, and I know we've kind of strayed away from the concept of mixing it, but most of the issues with recording to a two track is people got too close to the microphone. They're recording too hot. They are uh, trying to compete with their own cue mix, meaning that either their headphones are too loud or their vocal mix is too loud. So they perform quieter and they're trying to get more energy. It doesn't sound like me when I'm on stage. Well, when you're on stage, you're always trying to battle to hear yourself over the monitors and over the band. Might as well just lower your cue. Fine. Um, if you're worried about, you know, I feel like I'm performing too hard with it, then raise your cue. Um, and by cue, I mean like your your mix that you're sending to your headphones. You know, sometimes people want more vocals than the next person. But um, realistically, focus on getting it right from the source. And a lot of times mixing down to the two track, it, it it's done pretty easily after that. We have so many rough uh, recording days where we set up a rough mix at the end of the night and all we're doing is taming the master bus and we're done. Yeah. You know, and we see it all the time. People are releasing music that right after the recording session, it gets released into the atmosphere and people are like, wow, that sounds so great. It's because it was done naturally and really well. So because of that, um, mixing to a two track, record it right. That's our answer. And thank you for listening to this episode. Um, if you have any questions, feel free to DM us on Instagram. And happy mixing, my friends, and stay saucy. One, two, three. If you'd like to take advantage of my free guides and online videos, please check out links.dkmixes.com. That's links.dekeimixes.com. Hey, what up? It's DK. Thank you so much for listening to the Mixing Music Podcast. I just want to do a quick plug. Did you know that I write kids' books? If you have children, nieces, nephews, I have books that are totally available for free or $10 on Amazon for physical copies. You can go to mixingmusicpodcast.com backslash kidsbooks to get access and learn more about that. Thank you for all of your support. Now let's get back to the show.